Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Christian Church Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers who want to know Jesus and love like Him. Let's take a listen to this week's message. Man, we sing that song every year, and I love the words, and I think we need to be reminded in a year like 2020, with all the craziness and the darkness that's gone on in this year, I think we need to be reminded that Christmas changes everything, that Emmanuel, God with us, is the message of Christmas. And to all of you out there, wherever you're watching from, we just want to say welcome and Merry Christmas to you, and we hope that God blesses your Christmas in just an incredible way. You know, I was 19 years old, I, I remember playing in a basketball game, and I experienced a significant eye injury, and I didn't really understand how significant that injury was until about six weeks later when I went to the doctor, and the doctor diagnosed me with a torn retina. It was significantly torn off the back of my right eye, and and so I said, what does that mean? I get contacts, I get glasses. The doctor looked at me and said, no, you get surgery tomorrow morning. So he sent me from Joplin, Missouri, about an hour away to Springfield, Missouri, and I was to have surgery that next morning. And went into surgery, I remember waking up, and the first people that I saw was actually my mom came out, and she had flown 1,500 miles from Portland, Oregon to Springfield, Missouri to be with me. And, and then my coach was there, my college basketball coach, and a few of my teammates, and we talked a little bit, I had this huge patch on my eye, I was groggy from the anesthesia, I couldn't hardly see or even understand what was going on, but then I heard a voice, and I looked over in the corner, and out of the shadows, she walked out. It was my girl. She's my wife now, and, but Jen had dropped everything. In the midst of 24 hours, she had dropped everything. She had paid for the ticket for herself. She had flown 1,500 miles from Portland, Oregon to Springfield, Missouri. She had left school that she was in. She left the basketball team that she was on to come and to be with me. And I'll tell you, there's probably never been a moment in my life that I felt more loved and more valued than in that moment. And I think everybody wants to be someone's deepest desire and nobody wants to be someone's obligation. Like think about the word obligation. You've, you've felt that before. You've been in a workplace probably. You've had a relationship with a coworker that you've been on a team. The two of you maybe don't get along. And you just know that when you walk into that room, that person's only in the room because they feel obligated to be in the room. Some of you, it's much deeper. It's a marriage relationship. It's a parenting relationship. It's a relationship with a family member, maybe an extended family member. It's a friendship. And you just know that that other person is there Maybe till the kids are gone, for whatever reason it might be, they're there because they have to be. Nobody wants to be an obligation. Everybody wants to be desired. You know, when you step back in to even the Christmas story, you think about your relationship with God and how that story relates to you, I'd have a question for you to start off. What, do you feel like in your relationship with God, are you to God? Are you his deepest desire or are you just an obligation? You know, the Christmas story is the answer to that question. If you look at how Matthew writes his account to the Christmas story, he embeds in the end of the story four little words, four little words that answer the question. And here's what Matthew writes. He says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her 
is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The next two verses contain the words that give the answer. It says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said to the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 7, 14, he says this same thing. He prophesies it 700 years before. He says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him. Here it is. Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Man, the whole Christmas story is wrapped up, is understood through the idea of those four words that God didn't just have to be with us. It wasn't his obligation to just come and to judge us because we couldn't take care of ourselves because we had done wrong. To, his obligation to come and fix us, to be with us because we couldn't help ourselves. No, the Christmas story says this. The Christmas story says that Emmanuel, God with us, means that you and I are God's deepest desire. That he wants to be intricately involved in every area of our life. There's four words that we said there, but there's one that just stands out to me. It's the word with. You see it all through the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's just this tiny little word, but in the Greek language, what we would see as the word with, there are three different words that show the progression of how God wanted to be with his people. First word is, is para, and the word para means this. It means beside or nearby or in immediate vicinity or proximity, the kind of the idea of alongside. So in the Old Testament, God releases his people out of Egypt. He goes with them. He even builds a tent, the tabernacle, to be alongside them. But most of the time when the people interacted with God, there was smoke and there was loud sounds and thunder and lightning and they were afraid and they feared God and it was less personal of this idea of him being with them. He was with the leaders, but he was alongside and around the people. You go a little further in the Old Testament, you get the word meta. And the word meta was for the leaders, the kings and the prophets. The word meta means to begin close association or companionship with. It was the idea that God's spirit was come and he would come and be in association or companionship. He would come and land on or alight on, it would say, on his leaders. And so you would have a king or a prophet. You had to have Elijah. And it would say the spirit of God came upon Elijah and he did great miracles. The spirit of God came upon David and he picked up five stones and he threw one at, a, at Goliath and he killed the giant. The spirit of God would come upon the judges on Samson and, and Samson would pick up, it says, the jawbone of the donkey and he slayed 1,000 Philistines in one fight by himself. You see, the Spirit of God was almost like a good friend that would show up when you needed them, but then they would go away at other times. It was incomplete. But then you get the word soon. And the word soon is the New Testament meaning, and it means to be together in intimate union, to be inseparable from. It was the idea that when Jesus came, Emmanuel, God with us, not that God just wanted to visit, not that God wanted to be alongside, God wanted to be inseparable from you. He wanted to be deeply entwined in every single area of your life, to know your feelings, to connect with your dreams, to know your hopes and to know your fears, and to be able to do something about them. You step back and you say, Sean, that's great, but what do a few Greek words actually mean to my life today in the middle of COVID, in the middle of 2020, in the middle of all of the things that have gone on? I need something that matters for me right now in my relationships right here. Let's make it practical. 
a tradition around my house that I love. It's, it's one of my favorite things. We wake up on Christmas morning and, and we open some presents, but then it gets to be about 10 o'clock. The family's going to come over around 11 or 11.30 and, and my wife gets up and she walks into the kitchen and she begins to make scones. It's like my favorite thing to eat. I mean, there's all these ingredients that go into these scones, but when she makes them, I'm telling you, the only thing I could compare them to would be like when you go through the drive-thru at Krispy Kreme and you see the waterfall of icing that hits those donuts and they give you a dozen glazed donuts that are hot out of the oven, that's about half the taste that you get from my wife's scones. I mean, there's white chocolate cherry, there's cranberry orange, there's white chocolate cranberry. I mean, it just goes blueberry, lemon. There's all kinds of scones that she makes for Christmas morning. They're fantastic. But here's the process. When she goes into making these scones, what she does, she goes into the pantry and she pulls out all the ingredients and there's all the things that are sitting there on the counter. There's the vanilla, there's the the flour, the baking powder, the white chocolate chips, there's all the different pieces and they sit there individually alongside of each other, para. You would never take a spoon and stick it into the bowl of flour and take a bite. It's not complete, it's not ready, it's there, but it's not ready. But then you take all those ingredients and you put them into the bowl and you put each thing in and all the chocolate chips and and all the cranberries and all the different things that you put in and the flour and all that together and it sits there, that's meta. It's in close association with, in companionship with. It's there, it's much closer. But still, it could almost be, you could almost carefully divide those ingredients apart again. But then you get to soon. And what soon means in our life, it's the idea of when my wife takes all of those ingredients, puts them into the bowl, takes them to the mixer, mixes all of those up, puts them out on the cookie sheet, puts them into the oven and begins to cook them. And about halfway through, you begin to smell this aroma. Then when it's ready to go, she pulls them out. She drizzles the icing over them. You wait just a little bit. And then I dig in. I don't care if family's there or not. It's time to eat because they are so good. That's the idea of soon. That's Emmanuel, God with us, intricately involved with, intertwined with, inseparable from. Why does that matter with us? And I'll tell you why that matters this Christmas, why the whole Christmas story, the meaning of it is this idea of Emmanuel, God with us, intricately entwined in your life. What it's saying is simply this, that God takes all of the good of you and he takes all the bad of you, everything in your life, and what he does is he inputs and mixes together all the goodness and beauty of who he is. His grace, his kindness, his love, his patience, his hope, his forgiveness, his salvation. Everything that God is, he begins to mix in with you and he bakes that all together and pulls out something beautiful and new. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament wrote 13 books. He says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in or with Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. You see, what Emmanuel God with us means is that God wants to take you, and his deepest desire is to be with you. He doesn't feel obligated in one bit of the sense. God's deepest desire, he couldn't even stay away. He had to come, so he came in Jesus. And Jesus came here to live and to live amongst us to prove that God was real. And then he died on the cross for our sins. Then he 
went and was buried and he rose again and he went and he says, I'm going to send the spirit of God to be with every one of you, to be intricately entwined in every single person who chooses him to begin to create and recreate and add and mix in all of God's goodness to make something better in you. And when that happens, honestly, it tastes pretty freaking good. And you step back and it's not just for you, it's for your entire family. It's for those around you, it's for your coworkers, it's for everyone. It is when God begins to do something in you, your spouse looks at you and says, what's going on? Where did the grace come from? Where did the patience and the compassion come from? And when your kids look at you and say, dad, you're, you're a whole lot more patient. And when your coworkers say, man, you're so much more encouraging. When God begins to live through you, it begins to taste good to everyone else and it's not just for you and the people around you it's for the entire world like you step back into 2020 if we're just honest about it 2020 has been a dark year there's not been a whole lot of light we shut things down on march 15th and it's just been crazy ever since the disruption that has happened politically and racially and relationally and and vocationally and also and financially and emotionally the disruption has had an effect on everyone And everybody seems to be standing around right now saying, well, if we just do this and they give all these suggestions, if we just have a vaccine, we'd fix this. If we just get a new president, if we just keep the old president, if we just have reparations, if we just do development, if we just shut things down, if we just open things up, things would be better. And the answer to any question, the answer to any problem, the Christmas story is not, says not all of those things. The Christmas story says the answer to every single problem is Emmanuel. God with us, God in us, living through us, and changing the world. This Christmas, the greatest gift that you could receive is Emmanuel, God with you. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your Savior, as the God who wants to be in you and with you and change you and bless you and give you a better life, then it's easy. All you have to do is say, come. Emmanuel, come. If you'd like help doing that today, I would just encourage you to pull out your phone and text the word God with us, all one word, to the number on your screen, and we'll reach out to you and help you make that decision. As we look at Christmas, as you celebrate today and tomorrow and just celebrate this Christmas season, I think the reminder you need, what we need to be reminded of, the Christmas story proves to us that you were never an obligation to God. You were his deepest desire and he would go to any lengths, even becoming one of us, to be near us. And all you have to do to receive him and his goodness is to say, come. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you right now in this Christmas season and we thank you for Emmanuel. We thank you for Jesus and we thank you for the message that Emmanuel came to undo all the wrongs in this world undo the fear that we experienced, undo the insecurity that we experienced, undo the uncertainty, the failures, the brokenness, and to begin to recreate goodness in us and goodness in our world. Father, for the person who needs to accept you, I pray that they will have the courage to do so today, and I pray they will experience the blessing of what you can do in them. And Father, for all of us together, I pray that our world would be a better place because we live as if you live through us. Father, thank you for Christmas and for its message. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.